You're listening to the Yoga Inspiration Podcast with me, your host, Kino McGregor. I created this series to keep you inspired to get on the mat every day so that you can practice yoga and change your world, starting from the inside out, one breath at a time. Thanks so much for listening. Your support means everything to me. Hi, everyone. It's Kino here. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Yoga Inspiration Podcast. This episode is all about satya, truthfulness. I hope that each of you leave this episode with a quest, an inner quest, to dive into the deeper questions of what yoga is and what yoga is all about. Remember that you can always practice with me on omstars.com. I look forward to seeing you in class. If you haven't left a review yet for this podcast, please take a moment and let me know how you're enjoying it. Really keeps me inspired that I know that you're out there listening. All right, let's dive in. What is yoga? It's hard to define, you know? Yoga as we know it is often perceived as a physical practice of poses called asanas that bring strength and flexibility into the body. But yoga as a practice is so much more than just stretching and bending and has its roots in a vast spiritual lineage. Some people could even consider yoga to be a quest for truth. There is a concept in traditional yoga philosophy called satya. Satya is the Sanskrit word which is usually translated as truthfulness. In many ways, the goal of yoga is to cultivate knowingness, true knowingness, to understand what satya really means it's important to dive into what is the essence of yoga. Yoga traces its roots to the spiritual lineage of Hinduism and the Upanishads, which come from India. This ancient and sacred knowledge is given to us with a long history of yoga practitioners within India. So when we think about the concept of yoga as the quest for truth, what we're after is a quest for the answers to some of the deepest questions about life. The idea that there is a truth, for example, is something that perhaps many of us are pursuing. But before we dive into what truth may mean in our contemporary age, let's go a little bit more into the etymology of the word satya. In the Vedas, And in the sutras of yoga, the meaning of the word satya is more than just truth or objective truth. It's an ethical concept about the value of truthfulness, and it's considered a virtue along the path of yoga. This is why satya is included in the ethical principles that guide all yoga practitioners. Satya has a related concept called sattva, which is also derived from sat. Sat, the Sanskrit word, which means true essence, true nature, spiritual essence, and character. Sattva is one of the gunas or concepts of reality, manifestations and embodiments of reality that means goodness, purity, harmony, and everything that advances the search for the true nature of self. If we think about satya, then we understand that it has a relationship with the concept of sattva. Sattva, this harmonious state which is very correlated with the achievement of 
the practice of yoga. Beyond only the Yoga Sutras, sattva, Satya is a central theme in many of the Vedas, equated with the concepts of harmony, balance, justice, and the natural order of things. The principle of Satya is also connected with objective and universal truths, almost like laws that govern the operation of the universe and everything within it. Along these lines, satya, this universal truthfulness, is considered essential. And without it, without this universal truthfulness, the universe and everything in it just wouldn't function. The opposite of satya is falsehood and delusion. If we understand the spiritual presentation of satya as universal truthfulness, within the context of Vedic literature, truth and truthfulness, satya, is also a form of reverence for divinity, while falsehood, delusion, and lies are a form of what you could call moving away from divinity, moving out of alignment with the universe and universal laws. Satya, truthfulness, includes action and speech. Not only laws, but also how one, an individual person, conducts themselves in the world. Satya isn't only about the past, but is about how you are now, what actions you're taking now, and how these actions now are relevant in the context of a potential future. So when we think about satya, it's more than just speaking only truth. It's a principle of truthfulness that brings you into alignment with the greater good. This moral and ethical principle is written about not only in the sutras, the Vedas and the Upanishads, and is important for every yoga practitioner to really take a look at what satya means for you individually. The Upanishads state, nothing is higher than the law of righteousness. The weak overcomes the strong by the law of righteousness. Truly, that law is the truth, satya. Therefore, when one speaks the truth, they say, that person speaks righteousness. If that person speaks righteousness, they say, that person speaks the truth. For both are one. The Upanishads continue, truth alone triumphs, not falsehood. Or another translation, the true prevails, not the untrue. And yoga seeks to help you understand what is true and what is untrue. The Yoga Sutras of Patanjali encourage every yoga practitioner to get firmly grounded within satya. Satya is presented as one of the five yamas, the moral and ethical principles that help guide the actions of the yogi in the world, along with ahimsa, which is nonviolence, asteya, which is refraining from stealing, brahmacharya, which is moral and ethical guidance regarding our sexual habits and our relationships with our partners, aparigraha, which is restraint from covetousness and craving. When we take a look at satya as presented by the sage Patanjali in the canonical text of the Yoga Sutras, Patanjali says that when one is firmly established in speaking truth, so when an individual is firmly established in satya, the yogi is able to maintain full satya, then the fruits of action will 
become abundant to that yoga practitioner. In other words, another more kind of colloquial translation would be when one is firmly established in truth, when one cannot lie, then all words spoken by that individual are bound to come true. So for those of you that are interested in affirmations and say daily affirmations, the level of your personal satya will determine, according to Patanjali, the level of your personal satya will determine how powerful those affirmations really are. For example, if you speak a lot of untruths throughout the day and engage in actions which are out of alignment with satya and instead in alignment with falsehood and delusion, then your words won't have as much power. Those affirmations just won't be as powerful because they won't be grounded in the universal law of satya, truthfulness. We could consider satya as a restraint from falsehood and lies in an individual's action, in your, how you act and what's happening in your body, in your words, your speech, your writing, what you communicate, and also in feelings and thoughts in your mind. So if we think about the notion of individual satya as the restraint from falsehood, refraining from lying, that's one level. But even deeper than that, the path of yoga aims to bring practitioners into the highest form of truth. If we understand yoga as a quest for truth, then we're aiming to experience what is true and what is untrue beyond the personal. If we're reaching for universal truth to experience the satya, the truth of the universe, then we must move slowly up the scale from individual truth to universal truth. One of the goals of yoga is to cultivate what's called viveka kyati, which is discriminative discernment, sometimes seen as the ability to decipher what is true from what is untrue, what is impermanent from what is permanent. Sometimes yoga philosophy is presented in a dualistic framework that asks yoga practitioners to delineate between what is called purusha, the eternal spirit, and the phenomenal world of prakriti. And so much suffering or ignorance arises, according to yoga philosophy, because of the conflation of what is permanent with what is impermanent, with what is true from what is untrue. If we can't experience basic satya of our everyday life, how can we possibly experience universal satya? So as we move into the practice of yoga, we are attempting to cultivate the light of knowledge. And this is sometimes presented as, as the jnana diptir, the lamp of knowledge. The idea being that falsehood only lives in darkness as an analogy. And when the light turns on, you reveal what has been shrouded in darkness in the pure light and you can see it clearly. Much like when you walk into a room that you've never been in and the light hasn't been turned on, you don't know what's in there. But as soon as you turn the light on, and walk into the room, you can see what has been previously shrouded in darkness, revealed in the light. In the same way, the jnana diptir reveals in the light what has been shrouded in darkness so that we can experience the truth, the satya of what is. Unfortunately, both yoga practitioners and everyday people live our life in what we think is true, but is actually just relative truth or subjective truth. So let's dive into what relative truth is. Relative truth is 
a personal experience of reality, very often contained or expressed in value judgments and opinions. These value judgments and opinions are ours. It's what we think about the world. And the way a thought works is if you think it once, you can think it consciously, then you think it again and again and again. And soon that thought, which was really just a value judgment or opinion that you drew based on your experience, gets planted in the neurobiology of your brain. And that has a quality or level of truthfulness. That is how you see the world. That is what you think is true. No matter how much you think that, however, there are within that realm many relative and subjective truths. We often inherit these truths consciously and mostly subconsciously from our culture, our family, our upbringing. I'd like to share a pretty benign example of the way relative truth can be just kind of sucked in through osmosis from our family. Well, my husband's father never really liked dogs very much, and there was a reason for that. He always said, dogs are dangerous. Well, I come from a very different family. My father used to breed Dobermans, quite large dogs, and so I never thought even what many people consider to be a large, scary dog, I thought that they were friends. So one day when there was a very friendly, agreeable, cute Labrador that was staying with us, Tim shared with his father, Tim's my husband, and I, he, he shared with his father that we were taking care of this very cute teddy bear-like fluffy Labrador, to which Tim's father said, Labradors are dangerous dogs. Tim looked down at this fluffy teddy bear, staring at him, really only interested in two things, being pet and eating whatever was available, and thought, then perhaps his father was wrong and that his father was not speaking a universal truth, but in fact, a subjective or relative truth that was really just his opinion. And it shocked my husband to hear that exact statement because when my husband met the Dobermans that my dad was keeping, he said, ooh, Dobermans are a dangerous dog. And when he heard the words of his father mirrored back to him, he stopped for a moment and thought, wow, how many other thoughts are in there that I've just taken as absolute truth? And this level of thinking, what we often experience as absolute truth, these value judgments and opinions that we have about reality, these are called in yoga the samskaras. These are patterns that are woven so deeply into the fabric of our consciousness that we are thinking these thoughts without even realizing that we're thinking these thoughts. The power of the subconscious mind is so vast and deep that 95% of our thinking is actually happening in the subconscious world. So in order to experience universal truth, we first need to break free of all of the chains of unconscious bias that are contained within our relative subjective truth that we've internalized and told the story of this is the way the world is. Labradors are dangerous dogs. This is a subjective reality, perhaps based on an individual experience, but it's not a universal truth. And what yoga is after is to help you find a path out of delusion into real universal truth. 
today in our day and age when the arbiters of truth are really, well, nowhere to be found. There is an abundance of fake news and everybody with access to the internet and a little bit of website know-how can put up a website that purports various opinions presented as facts. There are handy people, crafty people on, you know, in every corner of the world that can engage in what's called deep fakes, where people can fake others' identity. You can even create an entire identity out of artificial intelligence and publish articles and videos under an entirely fabricated identity. Then there has been a basic devaluation of institutions which have been previously considered trustworthy. This denigration of any source of authority and truth seems to be at at the heart of so many people's uncertainty. We sit with so much uncertainty and anxiety because so many people just don't know who to trust. Do we trust the government or don't we trust the government? Do we trust our elders within our chosen faith or religion or do we not? Where do we sit in this vast realm of the world? What is true and what is untrue? It can feel so lost, so confusing to be out there in the world, reading headlines from one ecosystem or another without understanding who's behind each of the studies or the articles that we may be reading. When you enter one ecosystem in the online world, we can enter a space where The algorithms which drive the way we consume so much of our media these days can create an echo chamber of personal opinion that's presented as absolute truth so that value judgments made by an individual who has a vested interest in us thinking one way can influence our thoughts and even our behavior in the world. It can make us like or dislike various public figures. It can make us purchase various items that we may or may not objectively want or need. We're fed opinions by people who understand how to work these internet algorithms. And if we're unable to come to an estimation of what is true ourselves, then the unconscious biases that have been programmed into society are so easily just accepted into the depths of our own minds so that we become you know, copies of the world that we live in. And there are different ecosystems that seem to profit off different representations of the truth. You could say that there are even ecosystems that profit off of disinformation so that by understanding how fake news and bad news and things which promote outrage spread faster online than good news and real news We can begin to understand how our brains are subject to the emotional hijack that comes from jumping on the bandwagons of polarization, and it brings us further and further away from what is universal truth. Well, if we're here practicing yoga and we're interested in the quest for satya, the direction for every yoga practitioner is to first experience satya within yourself. How can you be a good judge of what is true and untrue in the world at large when it's hard for you to judge what is true and what is untrue within yourself? Sometimes we don't know how we feel. Sometimes we don't know what's happening within our bodies. It's hard to have a clear thought. So we're first advised to cultivate 
the path to knowledge and wisdom within ourselves. Traditional yoga presents different ways of coming to knowledge and wisdom. The first is called Anumana in Sanskrit, or logic. And logic, while very, very useful, has of course its own flaws. Logically, you can argue in any one way or the one any one way or another. There are even there are people who will argue to this day that the earth is flat. There are others who will argue with other, you know, scientific facts that the earth is round. And both of these both people on both sides of an argument can come up with what they believe is logical. So logic always has a limit within the human mind itself. You're always limited by what thoughts you can think and what sense you can make of any argument. But logic is very, very useful. If you can logically discuss truth, then emotions have the ability to calm down a little bit. Logic hopefully leads towards a path of awareness. However, remember, logic has its own end as well. So you may draw a logical conclusion that will be refuted one day. Hard to let go of something that you believe is absolutely true. But remember, your conclusions, even though based on logic, could still be rooted in your personal value judgments and opinions. The Another way of finding a path towards knowledge and wisdom on the yoga path is what's called agama. This is translated into English as devotion or devotional knowledge. Knowledge that you believe because you trust the source. I think that you could see there are many problem, problems with this. However, before we dive into the problems, let's talk about what's good about agama. When we're talking about spiritual knowledge, we often have to trust our teachers and saintly individuals who have written sacred scriptures have come before us that talk about how to practice these esoteric practices of yoga, meditation, and spiritual awakening. When we trust what's written down in these sacred books, then this can help us on the spiritual path. However, if the source of knowledge is not to be trusted, for example, if you believe a leader or an individual of a sect or even a political party and you find out that that person has been lying. Well, that, that, that means that your state of devotional knowledge has been taken, taken advantage of. So there are, of course, limits to agama. Similarly, just because you read it in a book or a website doesn't mean you should trust it as 100% true. Finally, there's what's called pratyaksha, which is knowledge gained from direct experience. Knowledge gained from direct experience seems as though it would be incontrovertible, and it is very hard to talk someone out of something they have personally experienced. But even this has its limits. While knowledge that comes from direct experience can really help people break out of the bounds of limiting thoughts, knowledge based on ex personal experience can have its restrictions or limitations as well. For example, two people coming to the same experience can come away with two different stories about what actually happened. Two people can watch a video of something that happened and draw two different conclusions. If you're in a committed relationship, you know that many arguments of, between couples take place because, well, two people have a difference of opinion of what went, of what happened and what someone's intention was. So pratyaksha, our direct experience, also is a value judgment. We make a judgment based on what happened. It's how we felt in that moment. Two people's experiences can be very different. 
in many ways, we're at an intersection where people have very polarized and different views of what reality is. When that view is challenged, people seem to get very emotional, defend their point of view because their point of view is real to them based on their direct experience. It's hard, so hard to understand what satya means in our contemporary age. And this is why I really encourage all yoga practitioners to come back. I encourage all yoga practitioners to come back, come back to personal practice, to understand that what we are interested in is individual authenticity, as well as transcendental truth. The very notion that there is a universal truth out there, this is something that is, is, is radical in some ways, the idea of a universal truth. Unlike relative truth, subjective truth, universal truth is impersonal. This is the type of truth that is true whether you believe it or not. So when we think about universal truth, I want you to think for a moment about the law of gravity. The law of gravity is a universal truth. Gravity is something that's very real here on the planet Earth. Every, every object, every living being on the planet Earth is subject to the law of gravity. This is a basic truth that everyone, I believe, understands. Now, when we understand universal truth, think about this. Gravity and the law of gravity is true whether you believe it or not. If you stand at the side of a building, and please don't try this, but if you stand at the side of a building and say, I refute the law of gravity and jump off of a building, you're still going to be subject to the law of gravity. Even base jumpers who seem to defy the law of gravity are actually working with it, not against it. Universal truths do not care whether or not you personally agree or disagree with them. Universal truths, well, they just are. And you can tell a story about that. You can disagree with them or not like them or like them a lot. But really, your opinion doesn't matter. Universal truths are what we're after when we're talking about satya, when we're talking about cultivating the ability to discriminate between what is true and what is untrue. The satya that's cultivated along the practice of yoga is so much more than just being able to determine what is true and what is untrue in our everyday life when we're reading the news and talking to people. The high level of satya that we cultivate in the yoga practice is aimed at the universal truth of being, the very nature of being. Who are you? And where do you come from? And why are you here? Is there a God? And if there is a God, how do I know that God exists? This is the lamp of knowledge that shines not only within oneself, but into the vast, expansive, limitless nature of the universe to perceive and to see beyond subjective, experiential opinions, and instead to connect in with the universal truth of what is. Satya, truthfulness, authenticity of being. Who are you? Where do you come from? What does this all mean? The story that you tell around reality makes a very big impact on how you feel day to day. The story that you tell about what the universe is makes a very big impact on what you experience day to day. So as you work with the concept of satya, allow yourself to tap into a path to timeless knowledge and wisdom, a knowledge gained from direct experience that convicts you in the truth of who you are, to understand that 
at your core nature, there is something transcendental, something that is stable and is whole and complete and cannot be bound by the everyday ups and downs of life, an everlasting peace, a rock that you could rest your faith upon. If you experience this moment to moment, even have a glimpse of it here or there, then we're getting closer to the concept of yogic satya. When you engage in the world with subjective opinions, it's so easy to devolve into arguments, so easy to devolve into name-calling and more polarization. Instead, tapping into the idea of universal truth, the cultivation of a transcendent view of satya, this is the real quest for truth that is at the heart of yoga. If you haven't practiced yoga yet, I encourage you to dive in because the practice of yoga gives you a path to true liberation. It's when we believe these relative truths as universal truths, when we think that our value judgments about reality are absolute, then we suffer. We can go on to personal tirades and launch social media wars against others because we believe so wholeheartedly in what we are doing when actually it could just be a judgment, a value judgment, a very strong opinion. Instead, reach for satya, an impersonal truth, something which is transcendent beyond our opinions, our values, our judgments, reaching for this concept of purusha, reaching for this concept of universal truth. Allow yourself, if you are a yoga practitioner, to ask the hard questions of what is the quest for truth? What brings me back to my mat over and over again? How is it that these yoga poses help me in my quest for truthfulness, for wisdom? How can I experience real truth, which is free from value judgments, free from my emotional reactions, the stories I tell, my likes, my dislikes, my preferences, all these patterns that are woven so deeply into the subconscious mind? How can I be free? What is personal liberation except to live in alignment with the truth, the truth and the way, the way out of suffering? And this is the path of yoga. Hey there, it's Kino here. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in to my podcast. Your support and your time and your attention really mean a lot to me. If you're enjoying this podcast series, you can find the full-length videos on my online channel, OMSTARS, and that's at www.omstars.com. You can redeem a 14-day free trial and get access to our full library of over 3,000 classes and also practice yoga with me online. I'd also love to see you in class sometime. So you can find my full live in-person teaching schedule on my website, which is kinoyoga.com. And if you haven't checked out my books, I'd absolutely be honored if you'd check those out. You can find those available at any online bookseller. The Yoga Inspiration Podcast is designed to keep you inspired to get on the mat. And I hope you're leaving each episode with a little glimmer and spark of the spirit which is the true heart of the yoga method. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. May you be happy, 
May you be peaceful. May you be filled with love. Namaste.